Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. Heidi. From Thomas Merton's New Seeds of Contemplation. It's not humility to insist on being someone who you're not. It's as much as saying that you know better than God who you are and who you ought to be. How do you expect to arrive at the end of your journey if you take the road to another person's city? How do you expect to reach your own perfection by living someone else's life? Their sanctity will never be yours. You must have the humility to work out your own salvation in a darkness where you are absolutely alone. So what's useful to you may be useless to somebody else. And what might help others be saints might ruin you. Well, last week, Jonathan Stalls was talking about feeling safe in oneself. And it really begs the question, what exactly is it to be oneself? We're always being inundated with demands that we be like this or be like that. A good person does this but doesn't do that. It's actually very difficult to pin down who we really are and what we really should be doing. In that reading, Thomas Merton is saying that there's absolutely no point in trying to emulate somebody else or even be like somebody else. And yet we're tempted to model our lives on others, to compare and to contrast, to adjust our behaviour accordingly. How can you expect to arrive at the end of your own journey, Merton says, if you take the road to another person's city? Interestingly enough, in the Bible, the word city is a code for consciousness. The city of our God and King is the consciousness of the divine that resides within us. So here Merton is saying that you can't be another consciousness than the one you actually are. As we all sit at home during the pandemic, it's easy to look out at the world through our various media and to see other people doing things and wishing that we could emulate them in some way. Why can't I inspire people like that? Or do things for the needy like that? Or write poetry like her? Or paint? Or sing? Or record? Or mould? Or shape? Or affect? Or be? Or do? Or have? Like others? Instead, here I am, sitting at home, doing nothing that really makes any difference. Sometimes we feel so ordinary. When in fact we want to be extraordinary. Merton is saying that you can only be you and do the things that you do. What's useful to you may be useless to somebody else and what helps other saints might ruin you. In other words, he's saying that the whole emphasis on being yourself is what's important. It creates an integrity about your consciousness 
and a realization that your life and the circumstances in it are just a part of that consciousness that you've been given. Integrity is from the French word integer, meaning intact, to express your own unique consciousness in your own unique life is to remain intact. To try and be like others or to try and live somebody else's life is to have no integrity or to not be intact or to be fractured. As we look out onto the world, one thing we see is how fractured everything is how broken apart, how not intact, how little real integrity there is. Because often we don't live our own true lives from the consciousness of who we are or from the consciousness of the circumstances within which we exist. Instead, we want to borrow from other people's lives. We borrow ideas we borrow ways of being or actions. And by doing that, we're, fractu we're, we're fracturing the integrity of our own lives. All the time, if you notice, we're being asked to take sides. Are we on this side or are we on that side? What do you believe? Who do you support? In the end, we adopt beliefs from others. What we're told, we adopt ways of being. And we just act them out. All this drops away when we decide to live our own lives from our own consciousness and our own experience. And you know, it's completely liberating. We don't have to take sides. We just have to express ourselves from the integrity of our own consciousness and our own lives. And as Joe Biden said during the inauguration, you never know what life's going to bring you. And what life brings you is what you have to deal with. We just have to know that the divine has put us in our own consciousness and given us the circumstances that we have to deal with. There's no point in comparing ourselves with someone else because, as like Merton says, that's saying that you know better than God who you are and who you ought to be. You know, even Jesus didn't try and work it out for himself. He famously said, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. He's saying that he doesn't try to work out what to do and how to do it. He just watches, experiences, and just sees what the divine is doing in his life. That's why the idea of, you know, what would Jesus do, although helpful, you know, it's not binding. The real question is, you know, what would Nicholas do, or what would Heather do, or what would Robert do, or what would you do? with your life, with our lives, and our consciousness. We shouldn't even be comparing ourselves with Jesus. We should be living with the integrity of our own lives. So how does that cash out in reality? Well, you look around your life and you realise that 
Everything you have in your life, your circumstances, the people you have with you, your problems, your blessings, are there because they're given to you as a part of your consciousness. And your role as an awake person is to act as an agent of transformation in your life, the life that's in front of you. That's the task that we've all been given. We're not there to do some great work, to be a famous artist or a famous poet or change society in any particular way, to make a difference in the world. We're here to make a difference in our worlds, to the people and circumstances that are around for us. Not to make up another reality where you do something that others have done or, or what you think ought to be done. You can see how liberating that is because you're only on one side, your side, and your task is to have integrity with your life, with your understanding, with your values and your consciousness. And that's what it means to be oneself. And you know, that includes all the times when we mess up as well, because all of us do mess up. We have to see it. We have to learn from it. And then we have to move on. Messing up is just another part of life. It's the flip side of getting it right. It's what sadness is to joy. It's what light is to darkness. Both have to exist. And yet, we make such a big deal when we mess up about ourselves. We, we blame, we punish, we make wrong. When in fact, it's just another thing. You know, we just need to move on to the next thing. Because all of our lives have meaning, no matter how ordinary we think we are, or how much we think that we're getting it wrong. We're here for a purpose. We're here because we're given this life and this consciousness for a purpose. And that means that we're part of a greater purpose, which, as we all know, is the transformation of consciousness into the awareness of perfection. That's what, we're all part of that. We play our part in this transformation, which has been going on for 13.7 billion years. And we play that part by living out the life that we're given with integrity, with an in intactness between our own consciousness and how that relates to the circumstances that come our way, even if they're uncomfortable. We don't have to discover penicillin or become president or win an Oscar for our life to have meaning. We don't have to do these things. We just have to know that in living it with integrity, we're grasping the meaning that's latent in us being born and we're living the life that we're given. All of which means accepting what we have and responding to it with all the love and wisdom that we can muster. Loving God with all our hearts, with all our mind, and with all our strength, and loving our neighbour as ourselves. As Rumi says, this being human is a house guest. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome them all. The Tao doesn't take sides. It gives birth to both good and evil. 
The master doesn't take sides. She welcomes both saints and sinners. The master doesn't seek fulfillment. Not seeking, not expecting, she is present and can welcome all things. Being yourself, expressing yourself from within the life that you're living and what creates integrity and fulfills the purpose of your life is doing that. The other famous quote from Thomas Merton really sums up this way of thinking. God utters me like a word containing a partial thought of himself. A word will never be able to comprehend the voice that utters it, but if I'm true to the concept that God utters in me, if I'm true to the thought of him that I was meant to embody, I shall be full of his actuality and find him everywhere in myself and find myself nowhere. I shall be lost in him. That is, I shall find myself. I shall be saved. To discover what God is uttering in us and in our life is all we have to do. I only do what I see the Father doing. It's us doing only what we see the Father doing. It's us fully expressing who we are. This path is the path of radical acceptance, of knowing that this ache, that annoyance, that problem, this person, that circumstance, are all part of what goes to make up the unique life and consciousness that's you. And that's how, in playing the game of being you in all those ways, and in not trying to be somebody else, we develop the integrity of our own lives, coming from our own experiences, rather than borrowing ideas and thoughts from others. And having that integrity, we make our own story contribute to the larger story of the evolution of consciousness. Because we can never, we can never know the effect we have. It's not up to us to measure our lives in the balance. As the psalm says, such knowledge is too wonderful for us to know. We can't see how we might be having an effect on others on the next generation or the one after that. We might think we know what's important, that Tom Hanks, Joe Biden and the Pope seem to hold sway, but who, who would have put their money on Einstein's mother or Mother Teresa's father? or anyone else in history that we've not heard of that produced something remarkable. Like the inauguration, our lives are both ordinary and extraordinary at the same time. They're ordinary in that we see so many people around us living similar lives, but they are extraordinary in the fact that they are our one life that we've been given and we should respect that. Our job here in the chapel is to work out how to live our lives more skillfully, to realise that our one life is all that we have, and that it has meaning, and that's everything. As Mary Oliver said, Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? 
Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who's flung herself out of the grass. The one who's eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her joys back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Tell me, what is that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? We have one life, and it's ours to live. It reminds me of the advice given to sportsmen. You don't play the game thinking of the opposition and how you're going to react to them. You play the game and let the opposition react to what you're doing. We need to play our own games, irrespective of what those around us do or say. It's our value, our centre, our relationship with the divine that gives us that still point in the turning world. To be thrown off course by what others say or do is to be fractured from the integrity of the life that we've been given to lead. So take a breath, look around you. Your life is important. How you live it is important. Be true to yourself and that still point within you, however choppy the waters get. Because it's not humility to insist on being someone who you're not. It's as much as saying that you know better than God who you are and who you ought to be. How do you expect to arrive at the end of your own journey if you take the road to another person's city? How do you expect to reach your own perfection by living someone else's life? Their sanctity will never be yours. You must have the humility to work out your own salvation in a darkness where you are absolutely alone. Thank you. So we're now just going to take a moment to bring our attention to the wider world and to those in our community who've asked for our prayers. So let's just bring our, that undivided heart that Nicholas was talking about, bring our undivided attention to the world, to the wider world, this planet that's undergoing such a huge shift in consciousness and there's where there's just so much upheaval and pain and bring to your mind parts of the world that have impacted you this week that you've seen on the news or that you've been aware of where you want to send your love and healing to we think of Holocaust Memorial Day on Wednesday 
We think of all that's going on in Russia at the moment. This country, how fragile we are as humans. We think of all those suffering from the coronavirus, especially in places where resources are thin. And we pray for the distribution of the vaccine, that it would be quick and fair. And for those in our community who've asked for our prayers, we think this morning of Rita Hunter, for Heather Morrow, for Brett McKenzie, the O'Keefe family, for Kevin Bedalian, for Petra Krimmel, for Carolyn Glay's mum, Marion Boltz, for Jim Stark, for Laurie Werner, Wendy Gaylord's sister, for Heather Rydell's daughter, Ashley Morse, for Shelley Bogart's daughter, Kelly, for Tom Kroger, for Joan Devlin and Maria Peterson, for John Wampler, living with cancer, for Lauren Geraghty, receiving chemotherapy for cancer. We think of Alice Davis's cousin, Tim, who's going in for his third brain surgery, for Nicholas Bradley with pancreatic cancer. We pray for the family of Robert Schreier, Barbara Schreier's father who died recently. And we pray for the family of Edward Cord, who died on Friday, for his wife Linda and daughter Amy and son Edward. For the family and friends of Cece Conable, who died last weekend. And for the family of Ellen, Ellen Hunt, who died last week. Especially thinking of Bill Hunt. And for the family of David Ward, Tom Ward's brother, who died peacefully in Florida. So we bring all these people, all this pain, into our collective consciousness. That we might hold each other's burdens, carry it together. Just especially think of all those who are grieving at the moment. And we offer up all these things, all these people. Amen. Thank you, Heather. We're going to have our offertory now. Um, you'll find a delete button somewhere, uh, not delete, donate button somewhere uh, on the websites, uh, wherever you are. Please uh, do feel free to do that. And just to encourage you, Heidi's going to play a little more music. Thank you, Heidi. This next piece is Opus 23 by Dustin O'Halloran. So, yeah, it's, it's so tempting, isn't it, to try and sort of live another life or wish for another life and feel that we're inadequate or not doing the right thing or whatever it is and, and not take what we're given and give it meaning. It's so interesting how it, it's so difficult for us to hear 
that it's enough to just to be the human that we are, you know. And um, if you think of like the the enoughness of of this beautiful flower, you know, like it's just perfect and it's beauty. Yet, you know, we find it so hard just to to delight in ourselves. If only we could just be happy with our our sense of enoughness. We are enough without doing anything, you know, achieving anything. Um, I was really struck as you read Mary Oliver's poem. Yeah. That, that one line, that one, I've never really taken these two words in, but she, she mentioned idle and blessed. Like, can, can we be idle and blessed at the same time? There's nothing, there's nothing to prove. There's nothing to defend. We're just be idle and blessed. <laughs> and I love the way she says, so, you know, the black bear, she says, uh, the grasshopper. Uh, you know, it's just saying these, these things, and even trees, they're fulfilling their purpose just by being who they are. And yet we feel that we've got to do something different. We feel that we've got to make it all up and have these huge purposes in life. When, in fact, our challenges are right in front of us. You know, our challenges are, you know, our family. There are circumstances there when people criticize us. There when, you know, things go on and, and you know, we feel we've got to take sides, one side or another. When, in fact, you know, we're being asked just to be who we are and be, be true to that. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking again of um, last week, what Jonathan Stalls said, um, the quote from Howard Thurman. And he, he, Howard Thurman also said, like, follow the grain in your own wood. <laughs> follow the grain in your own follow wood. Follow the grain in your own wood. Like, yeah. don't, you can't, you know, you can't follow someone else's. Like, just be in your life, living your life. And that, that again, that sense of the sound of the, the genuine. And like, we all have the ability, if we could just stop and be still enough, to hear the sound of the genuine. And not to always think, like, what does the world need? But, you know, what brings me alive? And do that. Do what brings me alive. And um, that's what the world needs. You know, people who are alive. And it, it's such an important lesson for our children as well, isn't it? Because we just pressurize them to do all the things that we think they ought to do. They need to go to college. They need to do this. They need to do that. We never teach them it's okay to be who they are. It's okay just to follow that path. You know, we want them to be lawyers or doctors. You know, if they say, oh, I'd just like to be a carpenter. You know, we just like to do something that, that I really want to do. Yeah. You know, and, and to give them that sense it's okay to be who they are and to have their own interests, to follow those interests, even if they aren't the sort of things that we would expect them to do. That's what gives them integrity and allows them to, know, to trust their hearts, really. Yeah. We should be teaching children to do that. And yeah. we don't. We say, this is what you've got to do and that's what you've got to do. Yeah, if only we could hear, you are enough, I am enough. Well, one thing that really has been with me this week is, is just one line from the Old Testament, from the book of Zephaniah, which I remember... The book of Zephaniah. <laughs> it's just one line this week. This, this, it's um, that, the, that God is delighting over you with singing. Like... If we could just get that we are just being delighted in as we are. Yeah. Um, I, I've been really touched by that line this week. Um, if we really need to spend time just getting that, that we are enough and we're, we're delighted in by the divine, you know. Yes, and if we're delighted in by the divine, then we can delight in ourselves. Because yes. who are we to, to uh, you know, argue with that? Exactly. Great. Thank you. I think we'll, we'll stop here, I think. Right. Fantastic idea. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, 
or any other outlet.